This is the podcast for first home buyers who want to get it right. If you're suffering from analysis paralysis, can't work out who to believe, hate dealing with agents, sick of your parents telling you where you should buy, you think the market's leaving you behind, or you're just worried about making a huge mistake, then you're in the right place. I'm Megan and that was Veronica. We're both buyers agents and probably old enough to be your mums, but it's a good thing because between us, we've got over 40 years experience to share with you. Together, we're going to make sure you get unbiased and real information that you can rely on so you can get where you need to get without missing a step. This is your first home buyer guide. If you'd like to know how we can help you buy your first home and avoid a whole heap of nasty pitfalls, head on over to the website, homebuyeracademy.com.au, and there you'll find free checklists to download, a free mini course on how to price a property, and our where to buy tutorial for only $39. Priceless stuff, really. Absolutely. But before we get into the interesting stuff in this week's episode, here's the boring stuff, the disclaimer. (laughs) Everything we talk about on the podcast is general in nature and hasn't taken into account your personal circumstances so should never be considered to be personal advice we always recommend getting the advice of a professional in their field of expertise now this could be a buyer's agent a licensed financial advisor or a mortgage broker depending on your needs the content you're about to enjoy is correct at the time of recording but things are changing on a daily basis so check with the relevant government authority or your advisors to get the most up-to-date information Now, in this episode, we're going to talk about the order of events when buying your first home. Most home buyers, and not only first home buyers, get the order wrong. And when things get out of order, mistakes happen costly mistakes. Absolutely. And we liken buying a home to climbing a mountain. It's risky, let's face it. If you take the wrong advice, you don't follow the map, or maybe you use the wrong equipment. Maybe you don't even have all the equipment you need. You're likely to get into trouble and the consequences are really serious. And that's why we developed your first home buyer guide. We've put together what we call the PACE system. And in this system, over four phases, you will move from the very start of your journey right up to the purchase of your first home. And within those four phases are 10 steps. And it is crucial that you don't miss any of those steps and that you get them in the right order. So Megan and I are going to today take you through those 10 10 steps, the four phases and the 10 steps, which we call the PACE system. Megan, take us through the first phase, which of course, quite logically, is called preparation. Absolutely. And you'll be surprised at how many people forget to do this or do the preparation in the middle of yes. another phase. <laughs> so getting the steps out of sync is like, you know, putting your right shoe on your left foot and thinking that you can run really fast. But in the preparation phase, what, what you're looking to do and, and what we teach you to do is to build your support crew, to form those people around you, the people you will need advice from along the way, and you'll learn who to ask and when, what questions and how to use the information so that you make really good decisions. Veronica, support crew is something that people forget to do, isn't it? Because there's no use going and finding a property and then realising you need a mortgage broker. 
Well, and this is the thing, a lot of people do not realise they need people on their team until the point at which they need the person on the team. And then they're sort of madly trying to find <laughs> that lawyer or the mortgage broker or whoever it is, or the building inspector, um, at a point where time is of the essence, you know, so and having they can't this... can't make best use of the information. No. <laughs> or they've they just got to make a really hurried decision, you know, mm-hmm. or they just... You know, how many people have done the beta course? Because, you know, if this is the first time you've come across Megan and I, we've been running and creating uh, the beta course over 2020, okay? And we've, we've had three groups of people do our course, which we'll tell you a bit more about later. And we've had loads of feedback. And the amount of people who've done the course has said that we didn't even think about getting this step done at the beginning. And we might have had a broker or we might have had, you know, I don't know, who else may they have had? Maybe in the county. Like a financial planner. Say. It's a big one, isn't it? Depending on your life phase that you might need to actually think about how long you'll have the property and, and so forth. We go into that a little bit in a moment when we do planning, but um, it is, it's, it's about getting those conversations right at the start and asking yourself some tough questions um, before you run headlong into to purchase the property. Although they means- might, some of them have had the wrong people on their team. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. So yeah. it's not actually until they've actually started learning the things that we're teaching through this mm. that they've gone back to this step and went, ah, oh, now I get why it's so important that this is number one. Because <laughs> we're, as we're gathering the information we need through the process and we're asking these people information, we realise that they actually aren't up to the task. Mm. And it's a bit like having the Sherpa who's never climbed the mountain before. <laughs> or they have <laughs> or the buyer's agent who's mountain. only bought one property. Yeah, oh, there's a few of them. <laughs> around unfortunately um well look i heard a story the other day of somebody who was moving to sydney from a regional city and they had their mortgage broker and their lawyer from their regional city and that mortgage broker was giving them advice about buying in sydney and that mortgage broker clearly doesn't know anything about the process Mm. of buying in sydney and if they had followed that person's advice, they would have bought a property and actually got themselves into a whole heap of hot water because the mortgage broker was giving them the absolutely the wrong advice. Now, so they, they might have been a good mortgage broker, Veronica, but in the wrong place. Yeah. And that, that's really important, isn't it? Local knowledge can be really quite important and valuable in mm. some circumstances. All right, let's move on to money because this is a, a, a hot one. This is, this is often where people... <laughs> start or forget to start. Uh, so what, we'll, what we cover is the need to save to cover your deposit and other costs. So it's not just about finding a 10 or 20% deposit um, for the purchase of the property. You've got a whole lot of other costs that you have to consider as well. Also the pros and cons of government incentives mm. and the finance approval process itself. Now that's really important to understand because you can influence how much you can borrow depending on how, how financially fit you've actually made yourself along way. Yeah, and it's critical because I guess from a lot of first home buyers' um, points of view and a lot of feedback we get is that, of course, it is the most difficult thing to do and the most time-consuming is to save that deposit. It's massive. And so, you know, they sort of focus only on this in many ways, but there are also ways that you can help yourself along the way, you know, to actually make this process easier. And sometimes mm. people have false beliefs about how much they need and mm. can get caught out. So that's, it's a very, very important part of the process to get right. 
Absolutely. And then working out how much you can actually spend based on what you can borrow and how much you can afford, two different things. Yes. All right, next is moving on to planning. And we love this bit because this is a lot of navel gazing, a lot of soul searching, a lot of discussions if you're buying with a partner. And, and this is about developing your wish list and then having a really good hard look at how realistic it is, what your future looks like. And we also help you work out what and where to buy. And that is the biggest question that most first time buyers have. And some people start with that question and they start with that question and ask it to everybody who will listen to them and give them an answer. Mm, yes. <laughs> and so this is an <laughs> internal thing. You can't do this externally. It has to be about you. It has to be about where you are in your life phase. And it has to be about how long you're going to be in that property and not making a bad decision on that. It's so important, this bit, because there are no off-the-shelf answers. And I think that's probably the, the biggest revelation that most first home buyers have is that, oh, so there isn't it isn't as simple as a top 10 suburb list or a top five or ones to avoid or whatever. It, it, there is uh, so much in it. And also that if you limit yourself, and I think this is the, the really important thing as well, is really just broadening your horizons, but it's a framework that we teach you that actually allows you to understand what the possibilities truly are before you then narrow it down mm. again and actually gain, have a really clear brief in terms of what you're after. And it's so important not to start with narrow focus. Mm. Uh, and so you uh, you make better decisions because you are much more educated. So um, and that's a really exciting part. I mean, I have to say, it the is, students when the light bulbs good, go off. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's really interesting, and particularly when couples look at each other and go, "Oh, I hadn't thought about that." <laughs> <laughs> or when one's been doing all the hard work and the other one finally gets it. <laughs> That's, that is wonderful. You know, see, I've been telling you this all this time. Ah, yeah. oh, right. Well, someone else is saying it so you can believe it now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ah, <laughs> oh, oh, very good. All right, Veronica, tell us a little bit about the fun bit. This is the action phase. Action phase is phase two in the PACE system. Absolutely. So PACE, we should probably say, is preparation, action, commitment, and execution. So here we are in the action phase. There's two steps in the action phase. The first is search and inspect and the second is revise and correct. And I'll get to why revising and correcting is so important in a minute. But search and inspect is really that once you've finished that, you've got your support crew, you've you've got the money sorted, you know what you can afford, you know where you're going to be looking, you know what you're looking for, you've done your plan, you know, you've considered the future, not just the present, all that sort of stuff. Then you can get out there and actually start looking at property. And it's so much more interesting when you're focus and you actually know that you can buy when you find the right one, but also that you've got a good framework for identifying the right one. And so we also need to teach you about the sorts of things to look at at inspections, dealing with agents. Oh my God, dealing big with agents. Part of it, big part of the search and inspect phase massive part of it. And they're not the enemy, you know, so mm. we will teach you sort of the differences because there are different types of agents out there as well. But it's also how you set your searches up in the first place. Also talking about off markets and on markets and really making sure that you cover off the whole um, area effectively and you're not missing anything. So that whole searching and inspecting phase is, is often what people think that's the whole 
process that's all it's about but well, it's, some people it's, start with that don't they they yes. jump on a realestate.com domain and 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 start you know putting their searches i want three bed one bath one car apartment in say kilda and that's the search they put in and they you know they sort of get whacked with nothing yeah. <laughs> empty page <laughs> yes you have to search with intent <laughs> And know how to set those searches up because the thing mm. is that there's right ways and wrong ways to actually set the searches up. You can really uh, limit yourself and not be, be seeing too much and get, get completely overwhelmed or you're not seeing enough. Is pro- wrong properties, wrong price ranges, wrong locations. Yeah, there's a lot that goes into that, but I, th- I think you touched on it. It's really about how to interact with the agents in a way that's going to get you the best outcome. Um, and and they, are, they are the conduit to the sellers. So they're such an important, they have play such an important role they're not your agent they're the seller's agent and, and we mm. talk about that but how how you can interact with them in a way that you know really produces a positive outcome it's funny isn't it because there's so many people don't realize that um they do see the agent as in, as, as the enemy and a lot of them don't help themselves in the sense that they they aren't necessarily direct and straight with their communication and and they do often speak a language that is Oh, no, obscure at hard best. To follow. Yes, very hard to follow. What did they even mean? Oh, you've, there was you a know. lot of words then, but I'm not sure what the point was. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so we sort of teach you agent speak, so to speak, if that makes sense. Yeah, and, and how, speak, to, so how to, to engage well and how to ask the right questions and how to what to do with the answers that you get to those questions. Yes. So you, you can then go and check that, check that information out and verify it. Yeah. Mm. So... The, the step five in, in the action phase, weirdly enough, is actually to slow down. <laughs> so we've got you speeding up, getting out there, looking at everything. That's a really important part of the process, of course, because it's so educational. Um, but by stopping and pausing, once you've learned enough, once you've seen enough, once you've been really getting an understanding of the local dynamics and prices and what sort of properties and good and bad and what you really like and what you don't like, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all this stuff is all part of that learning. Then you've got to revise and correct and you've got to pause for a moment, go back and review everything that you've done thus far. And we liken this to being base camp. So back to the mountain, the mountaineering analogy. Yeah, uh, and Veronica, this uh, someone once asked us why ten steps, and it actually started off as nine steps. So the pay system originally was nine steps, and we realised that this is such a crucial part of the process that it actually couldn't be small parts of all of the other um, steps. So that's why we pulled it out as its own with its own identity and its own focus because it's so important to step back, slow down, recalibrate, and and make sure you're on the right path or really question whether um you know which path you should actually be on are you on someone else's are you being influenced by the wrong people are you not right asking the right questions are your search is not quite set up properly um has your wish list changed over time as you've as you come to make different compromises so revise and correct was such an important one and and that rounded out a beautiful number of 10 uh in, <laughs> in, in the steps <laughs> and the thing too is that you know it, it in, in in the students that we've had so far, you know, some of the things that they've revised at this point is their support crew, for instance. This has been a really good point where people have often said, you know what, I realise I don't have the right mortgage broker, I don't have the right lawyer, or, you know, I thought I had this really great building inspector, but um, oh, I'm not really sure now. And, um, and obviously the plan as well, that whole thing about, yes, this is where I want to live, this is what I want to live in. Yeah. And once you get out there and start looking at properties and start to experience exactly what's out there and researching the area, and all the rest of it, quite often people will say, actually, 
actually, I need to change it a bit because I've mm-hmm. thought of, you know, some other aspects to what I want to do in my future. And or I can't really see myself living this suburb. It just doesn't mm, have people like me. Yes. We talk about PLUs a lot, mm. people like us. And, uh, you know, it's uh, everyone's unique too in terms of the community they want to form part of. And it's a matter of every area has, has a different vibe, you know. Yeah. So it's a matter of just being real about, well, um, and am I going to be happy with this vibe for the long term or is it just for now? And, and really, really quizzing yourself about this stuff. And it's important because buying a property is a long game. It's a big commitment, which mm. is where we go to next, Megan, the commitment phase. Move it to the commitment. This is where you're moving from data to possibly getting married. Yeah. <laughs> I heard that I heard that on a podcast and I wish I could remember whose it was because it yeah. was a, a cracking analogy. I really liked it. So in the commitment phase, um, step number six is methods of sale. So methods of sale in essence means how, how the property is for sale. How has the agent presented the property to market for sale? Um, now, there's two main methods of sale and they different, uh, and all methods of sale differ by um, region and by state. So we want you to understand what you need to know in your area about the different methods of sale. And, and broadly speaking, Veronica, you can either have a public auction or a private treaty negotiation. And those two processes are vastly different. Mm. What you do and the order that you do things in, the questions that you ask, the things that you have to prepare, they are so very, very different in those two processes, but also really, really different state by state because the legislation is so so vastly different. You know, in, in Queensland, you can't give any kind of price guide on an auction, but you, you can give a price guide in New South Wales. I mean, that's just one of so many different elements that, that we know um, exist around the the country state by state yeah there's uh, the methods of sale is a classic because you know back to that example i was telling you about the regional mortgage broker um and the buyer that's moving to the city is you know often and we we come across this a lot with brokers where they don't understand with an auction campaign that you're buying without a cooling off period and so even if you buy a property before auction You've got to buy it without a cooling off period. But that, once again, that changes state by state too. Mm, And so um, understanding at what point does that mean that you're unconditional versus conditional? And all these are uh, uh, words that we're using now that obviously we need to, to, well, any buyer needs to understand this Mm. terminology and they also need to understand when they're actually committing for life versus just moving in (laughs) together. When the marriage certificate is being signed. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, so yes, those methods of sale are really, really, really important. Um, and so, but once you sort of got that sorted, you're out and about, then you need to actually know how to evaluate a property. So it's not just enough that when you've seen a property that you like, that you You've got to work go, out what it's worth. You've got to work out its pros yes. and cons. You've got to do a lot of due diligence. And, and just asking for a property report from a broker or information from the agent, that's nowhere near enough due diligence to make sure that you are actually really fully informed about a property. And we go through this entire process in this module. And, in fact, the free course um, uh, on how to evaluate a property is, is a small part of the pricing process. So anyone who has done the, the free course or wants to do the free free course, that, that's part of learning how to work out what to pay 
how to mm. not pay too much, how to interpret information, use sales data, um, assess properties against each other. This is all part of the evaluate phase. And, and this is what buyers agents do on a day-to-day basis when they're assessing properties for clients. And, and this is what we teach you to do, to, to be very analytical, very critical, um, not talk yourself out of the property. That's not what this phase is actually about. It's about opening your eyes and understanding whether those compromises and, and, the, and the problems that you find in a property are acceptable or not, given what your needs are and what your goals are and, and where you are in your life phase. So it's it's a big part. It's a, it's it's where you've really got to switch your brain on and switch your heart off and, and sort of move the emotions to the side and, and get a little bit analytical in your thinking. <laughs> <laughs> now this to is, the juicy... Oh, I'm sorry. Well, I was about to say before we get to the really juicy part, yeah, which is yeah. when you're actually buying the property, but when, you, when you're evaluating uh, the price of a property, what I find... It, it, how many times have we heard this when we're speaking to people? And it's not just first home buyers, but when a market is a strong market, when what is what we call a seller's market, when when buyers are competing for everything, when prices are rising, and if you're in an auction area, that's when you've got clear, very high clearance rates, and it's hard to buy under those conditions. Mm. You know, it's really tough, and particularly tough. for a first home buyer, it feels like they're being locked out of the market. Yeah. And quite often, what people do, they get to a point where they throw their hands up in the air and they'll do one of two things they'll say that's it i'm giving up and then oh, they're going to wait till things get under control and look if they're lucky they're near the peak of the market and prices might fall a little bit they might get an opportunity but if they're unlucky the market absolutely leaves them behind and mm. that happened uh certainly in the last boom in sydney i saw that happen to a lot of people and it's it's really really sad the other thing that they do is just i, would, I just have to go and pay whatever and i have to pay my mm. budget I have to just spend Pay every cent that I I've have. Got, and it's like, no, no. Because, yeah, because it's important to be discerning. Some properties, yes, you should pay a premium for and you're going to have to. And other properties, really, you should not pay a premium for. So we really, really, it's so important, this whole process and the evaluation process helping you understand which ones should I push myself for mm. and which one should I hold back on? Yeah. And yep. absolutely, before you get to X, execution the juicy part <laughs> well let's have a look at that now let's have a look at that juicy part veronica what is in the execution phase so we've got three lessons or three steps in the execution phase one is on the contract of sale um yeah. and that well, that's number no, number eight right in yeah. our in our eight 10 steps, steps. Yeah. the contract of sale and it Surprise, surprise, if you haven't already picked it up, in every state is very different. And what's in the contract, what forms the contract, what information you can get from the contract, what extra information you need to get over and above the contract, all of that sort of stuff is is so important to understand. And, and knowing when to talk to a solicitor. Yes. And what sort of questions you should ask them and what information will help them do their job better. Absolutely right. Because you remember the solicitor or the lawyer or conveyancer hasn't seen the property. Property. And mm. so you have, so you've got a bit of a job to do. So you need to know what to tell the lawyer so that they can actually properly do the due diligence for you. And a lot of this is a revelation. I, I tell you what, when I became a buyer's agent, <laughs> you know, for, after being a sales agent, this was a revelation to me too was that what's not disclosed mm-hmm. and then what's not disclosed in, in different states. In some <laughs> states you get more information than others. So we cover all of this and it's so important to understand your responsibility in relation to what's in the contract. 
That's a big part of all of this, isn't it? It's understanding what your role is. And your role as a buyer is such a big, like it's not just finding a property, full in, in love with it and buying it and then working out how to fund it. It is so much bigger and deeper than that. And it's when people make the mistake of thinking that somebody else should be telling them something mm. or somebody else should be giving them the information or somebody else should have told them that they should do something. That's the biggest mistake that you can possibly make because you and only you are responsible for knowing what you should be doing, when you should be doing, how you should be doing it, and then who to involve in actually making that all work systematically. Um, and I think that you know, really underlying everything is you don't know what you don't know until somebody tells you, mm. and then you can take hold of it, take charge of it, and own the process. It's so important to get it right. I mean, the consequences of getting it wrong, and we'll get to that in a minute, but, um, and this contract section of it, of this whole process, you know, it's interesting because as we were putting this, this module together in the course, I have to say, you know, we know so much, let's face it, you and I combined over 40, you know, 40 years industry experience and, you know, distilling that down into a way that, that we can communicate that to buyers yeah, so that they can learn. Systematic, easy to understand, base level, you know, build from the bottom. But it was hard. Mm, it was yeah. really hard because there is so much you need to know. And so therefore, you know, putting in this simple way for you, putting all in one spot, um, you know, I feel rather proud that we were able to do that. <laughs> Taking us two years. <laughs> yes. No, this has not been quick. This, is, the, uh, this has been a two-year brain download. <laughs> and my head's still hurting. So <laughs> then step nine in this and part of this final execution phase is negotiation and auction. Now, where people get it wrong often is that they start negotiating before they've done half of the things that we've already <laughs> talked about. So important to know so much more, have so much more information before you commence the negotiation process. And so... The, and you really know, different depending on whether it's an auction or private treaty. Yeah, and whether you can make a conditional offer or not. Mm. And so knowing whether you can and what conditions you should put in to the offer, um, I, I despair. I tell you what, I don't know, after going through this, because of course you're Brisbane-based and I'm Sydney-based. There's uh, And, of course, when I was uh, filming for the show, Location, Location, Location Australia, I, I got to go everywhere. Yeah. But I still I used to default to, to Bryce a lot because, you know, Bryce had, had so much more experience outside of New South Wales than I did and uh, he defaulted to me in New South Wales. But in Queensland, oh, my God, if people make offers without knowing what conditions to put in the contract and then the, the stuff gets disclosed and they can't get out of it, because that stuff is not disclosed beforehand, this is what you need to know about. This is what we will teach you in so this module. So little disclosure in Queensland. There, there's a, a better regime in New South Wales and Victoria. Um, there are still things that sellers oh, don't yes. have to disclose and mm. have to know what things to put on the contract and that has to be part of the negotiation. It's no use. You know, if you find a property that um, floods and you haven't done your due diligence before and you don't have a clause in there that allows for any sort of remedy if um, searches reveal any adverse findings, you're stuck with that property. Just There's no awful. getting out. Yeah, yeah, once it's unconditional or if you haven't got a condition on there that allows you to terminate, you're done. So it's so important to have all of those steps in the lead up in the right order before mm. you throw a price at an agent without any conditions that protect you. Because that agent wants to sell that property. 
Hmm. <laughs> to the end of the day, they are not to sell it. going to tell you anything that they don't have to unless you specifically ask them. And if you don't know the questions to specifically ask them, you are not going to know until it's too late. And so, then what to do with the information, Veronica? Exactly now, the classic right. one that we talk about all the time is um, in why are they selling? Oh, yeah. What does that, it, what does that it, even matter? What are you going to do unless, with that? Yeah, what are you going to do with it? <laughs> Yeah, and <laughs> so we teach you, Yeah, we mentioned earlier about the questions to ask agents and there are some really good questions that you can ask and there's some really dumb questions that nearly every buyer asks and they don't know what to do with the information. So It's not a bad question. It's just you need to know why you're asking it and what to do with the information, what further questions to ask, I guess that's the point. And also right? whether or not the answer you get is the truth. Yeah, whether the agent knows the truth because <laughs> yes. sometimes the seller keeps that information from the agent. <laughs> So there are other questions asked that will give you the same information but actually more information and with more reliability. <laughs> and then our number 10 step, the final step, is settlement. And, of course, that is when you've committed to the purchase. There's a period of time between when that contract is formed and the actual settlement. And what do you need to do in that time? It isn't all over Red Rover when you pay your deposit check. It's Particularly actually- if it's a conditional contract, yes. right? Because this is where there's a heck of a lot of work to do, a lot of work to do. And it's not just the solicitor's job, it's yours as well. Yeah. So, and in some states, there's less to do. You know, lucky people who buy in New South Wales typically don't have to do much in the settlement period and same in Victoria, really. But in Queensland, you've got to do a lot. But there are things you do need to do and wherever you are and you need to know those because without knowing what you need to do in that time, you can come unstuck. It's mm. still not too late to get to get it wrong. <laughs> and we want you at the top of that mountain safely with your keys in your you're hand. You're still at risk even though you're very, very close. <laughs> yes. Well, you've you've heard of people that died in, in Ever- on Everest, you know, near, near the summit. Even they ran out of oxygen. Down, actually. Yeah, mm. yeah, even on the way back down. Uh, yeah. so I haven't planned properly for the descent. I guess that's a you know, very valuable lesson is once you own the home, it's not the end of your responsibilities either. Mm. You know, a lot, a lot of things start then. But I, I think the thing that um, you and I spent many, 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 many hours debating and, you know, going through ourselves and together and with other people and with students is the importance of getting the order right. And, and, and the, the, the big risks of actually getting any, any one of these steps, any one of these processes out of place and you could put yourself at grave, in grave danger of either buying the wrong property or paying the wrong price. And it's very easy to happen because, particularly the price, because one of the biggest mistakes that we see first home buyers make is making their offer at the wrong time. Mm. And they haven't thought through a whole bunch of stuff that actually will help them avoid sometimes missing out also because they're not actually ready and somebody else comes and buys it. But other times it's just the agent's like, yay, I have got the tuna on the hook. (laughs) (laughs) And that tuna (laughs) is going to pay more. Flip flopping around on the end of the line. (laughs) That's a shocking analogy really. But... um, (laughs) How can we tie that back into the mountain climbing? I don't know what that's got to do with mountain climbing. <laughs> but look, the, the agent's got their own an analogy. Eat, right? Yeah, the agent's, the agent's got their own, own analogies that they work with. But, yes, <laughs> they're getting the order wrong. And, and, and 
a lot of that is around due diligence. A lot of that is around not understanding um, the pricing of a property, mm-hmm. not understanding not using what it's really your worth. team properly along the yeah. way. You know, getting the the right advice at the right time. Uh, you know, it's really important if you're making an offer that's subject to finance that you're talking to your broker and you understand at any point in time the amount of time it's going to take to process the final approval on a on a contract. So mm-hmm. how long you need for finance approval because that changes day by day according to how much workload the bank's got. Yeah. So so you have to be you can't just assume that because they said it was okay for 14 days when you got your pre-approval 4 months ago it's still 14 days for finance it might be 21. <laughs> it's just, it changes. Uh, especially with covid because of course banks have uh, a lot of them use overseas processing and mm. you know India shut down and Philippines shut down for a while and then yeah. overseas they have things like floods and they have all sorts of stuff that uh, that disrupts their um mm. Their, their processing times. Process. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and, of course, when there's a lot of applications going in at the same time, which we're, you know, depending on whether it's a buyer's market or a seller's market, if there's lots of buyers in the market and there's lots of transactions happening, that increases the workload mm-hmm. and they don't necessarily put in, in more people on to, to do the processing. They just work with the same number of people but take longer. And it's hard for them because they've got to recruit and train and it's, mm. these aren't quick, quick solutions. So... So that whole process and, and the the other thing about, um, you know, getting the order right in, and, and this is why we go back to step one is not just getting the right people but getting the wrong people out, out yeah. of your ear. <laughs> <laughs> Turn down the volume on anybody who isn't an expert in their field and has mm. your best interests at heart. If they're not, if, the, if that's not what they're doing and they can't give you more information than you can get yourself from the internet, um, then they're not part of your support crew. And that can include friends. It can include your boss. It can include your parents. <laughs> yeah. And unfortunately, a lot of people just think because they bought one property that they're an expert and they rec- they fail to recognise that they may have made mistakes, they may have, could have done it better perhaps, maybe they've they actually... They might not learn that for 10 years from no. until they go to sell the house. Well, that's the thing because, you know, there's this belief in Australia that uh, you've got to get in the property market, that it's the most important thing, it's a sign of success and you haven't really made it till you own your own property and then it's like but there's very little conversation around the fact that you can easily lose money Mm. and we will... Our mission is to protect you from that. So <laughs> just do not be one of those people. And uh, and so we, you know, there's a lot of warnings along the way. And obviously, climbing a mountain is a dangerous pursuit, right? It's yeah, rewarding. There's lots of there's lots of risks. People who climb mountains draw from the experience of those who have done it many, many times before, and they learn from the mistakes of those people. And and I think that's what you and I. You know, you and I have made many mistakes early yes. in our, our property buying careers and we've seen many people make mistakes as as selling agents when, mm-hmm. when we were back as, as selling agents. Um, but also the stories that we hear from buyer's agency clients who have, you know, ma- probably almost made a mistake and realised and stepped back and said, oh, I really need someone to help me with this. So there's all of this big collection of experiences and, and, and uh, that we can share that actually makes other people or prevents other people from making the kinds of mistakes that we've seen over the 40 years that we've been doing this. So much better to learn from other people's mistakes. (laughs) It's cheaper. Yes. (laughs) So here we are offering you other people's mistakes to learn from. Excellent. (laughs) 
Okay, well, in this episode, we've touched on some of the things that you can learn in our 10-step online course for first home buyers. And if you would like to learn more about the process and how to buy without making a mistake, then head over to the website, which is homebuyeracademy.com.au. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss an episode. And if you like what you've heard today, please give us an iTunes review with five stars, please. It'll help others find us as well. And thanks for joining us. We hope you found this really useful. If you have, please share the love with others who you know are in the same boat. We'll be back next week with more priceless stuff.